0: Hello and welcome. My name is Raj Persaud and I'm a consultant psychiatrist based in London. And I'm delighted to be joined now by Matthew Neal. And Matthew has just published his latest book, which is entitled An Atheist History of Belief. Now, Matthew studied modern history at Oxford University. He's the author of several novels, including the very distinguished uh, novel English Passengers, which won the Whitbread Award and was shortlisted for the Booker Prize. He lives in Rome. Now, Matthew and I have collaborated a little bit in the past when he wrote a a previous novel entitled When We Were Romans. And I don't want to spoil the plot, but that was basically about someone who you might say held a very strongly held erroneous belief or delusion. And Matthew, I want to ask you, why did you choose this subject and the title of this book, An Atheist History of Belief? Um, is it something to do with a pattern in your writing that you're interested in in beliefs
1: and in particular erroneous beliefs? Yes, um, I've been interested in this for a, a long time I think and uh, maybe maybe I have some uh, a slight viewpoint of I suppose I have a slightly cynical view of history and um, I think uh, there's a tendency sometimes to view history as a as a kind of grand process of progress of new inventions, new understandings, but actually I see history uh, quite often, frequently as a, as a progress of error and uh, strange misconceptions, and I think that looking into the past and seeing the, the wrong ideas we had is often far more revealing of who we were at different times than the ideas we ha- actually managed to get right.
0: Okay, so how would we describe in, in a couple of sentences or summarise what An Atheist History of Belief, the title of your latest book, is about?
1: Um, quite simply, it's a, it's a history of belief, particularly rather intense and strange beliefs. One might even say delusional beliefs in, in some cases. Um, I'm fascinated by this subject. I didn't actually know very much about it, and I wanted to find a book about it. and There wasn't one. So I ended up writing one. I mean, there are marvellous histories on specific beliefs at specific times, different religions, different political ideas. But uh, I just wanted something that would try and put them all together and and show how, how they developed, how one sprang from another.
0: But the beliefs that you've been particularly interested in in this book are religious beliefs, beliefs about yeah. the supernatural, beliefs about um, believing in heaven, believing in the afterlife... Believing in the apocalypse, believing in God. Again, I want to press you a bit. Why those particular beliefs were a particular interest of
1: yours? Um, I think I was just um, just curious in a way. I mean, I I remember even in sort of school assemblies in the nineteen seventies, we'd you'd hear usually an appallingly read extract from the from the the Bible, and I remember even then as somebody who was very interested in history, wondering how much of this is true, uh, what what does one what can really take take from this in a uh, in a factual way and um so i was curious and um i think it was curiosity led me into just wondering what, where these ideas came from when uh, what we know about them and when i started looking into them i was i was often very surprised so for instance one might think that the idea of paradise an afterlife a happy afterlife is is an essential element of any religion, whereas actually it seems to have have developed first of all, in at least one, probably two places not so very long ago, Um, if one thinks that there's strong evidence that religions have existed for at least 30,000 years, maybe much longer um, Paradise seems to have really appeared about four and a half thousand years ago so we had a, a long period of religion without an after happy afterlife. There was a miserable afterlife um, which seems to have been a universal idea right across the world in all cultures. But the idea of a happy afterlife seems to have been a kind of revolutionary development. This is the sort of thing I just found fascinating.
0: Could you tell us a bit about how that developed the, the idea of
1: paradise? Um, it seems to have developed uh, in at least two places. It, it occurred later in other cultures as well but uh, in Egypt, in Pharaonic Egypt, and among the very early Iranians, with uh, Zarathustra, um, the early Iranians had a had a kind of earlier uh, miserable afterlife. then there was a very aristocratic religion, and this was also a theme in egypt that ori- originally the first paradise seems to have been for the the rich and powerful the the in Egypt, it was actually for the pharaohs and their immediate entourage. Nobody else could, could look forward to this, which seemed a bit mean. And uh, over time, you have a kind of social revolution of paradise, if you like, so that gradually more and more people um, feel that actually they'd rather like to look forward to happy, a happy afterlife. And uh, the idea gradually spreads with more and more people claiming it. So paradise becomes almost
0: a bit democratic, but didn't start off that way. So you had large numbers oh. of people in, in societies thousands of years ago who subscribed to religious belief that didn't deliver paradise for them, but only an elite few, which seems a bit puzzling to us today. Why would you believe in, in a religion that didn't deliver paradise to you? So, I mean, I mean it, it seems as though religion isn't as straightforward from your book in terms of understanding why people believe in this sort of stuff.
1: Well, it's not quite, we, details are rather sketchy, but certainly it does seem that the, the pharaohs of the first people, they, they have, the, they have the, the happy prospect of, of floating into space, into, into the sky each, each day in the, in the company of Ra, the sun god. So they have a, a, a good prospect. And the, the rest of society in Egypt seems to have accepted that they would have an, a better day-to-day life if they gave every support they could to their dead pharaohs to if you like lobby on their behalf with the the powerful gods and so if they if they lo- if they supported their dead pharaohs then their dead pharaohs would get the powerful gods to make sure that the nile didn't flood in the wrong way and that uh, insects didn't eat their crops and that day-to-day life was okay but in the before the invention of paradise people seem to have been really much more concerned with God's helping them in a day-to-day way. Um, and maybe it was because life was so tough that actually you, didn't really, you weren't really worrying about what was going to happen after you died. You just wanted to get through the next week. Okay, but what about? Um, let's go right back to the
0: beginning of religion, because you trace the beginning of religion to things like artifacts that people find today, um, dating from tens of thousands of years ago. In terms of tusks that have been um, fashioned into figures that are half animal, half man, a lion's head, for example, on on the on the body of a man, and also the cave paintings and the the fact that the cave paintings of of um, uh, of animals um, like the herds. Um, of cattle that were being chased by hunters didn't have hooves seems to be very significant. Could you say a bit about that?
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean this was a... An, in a way we know almost more about the uh, the probable religion 30,000 years ago than we do of of what seems to have been religions much, much more recently because people continue to have similar beliefs into the very recent past, some still do in in hunter-gatherer societies in southwest Africa and um, comparisons have been made with very recent cave paintings in Southwest Africa, um, with uh, the cave paintings in Southwest France from 30,000 years ago, um, and it seems that there is an awful these different religions all across the world have an awful lot in common. They they involve people going into a trance. Um, there was often an expert or shaman who was who was particularly good at going into a trance. When in a trance, people believed that they were floating up and made contact with animal spirits who were useful in helping them in all sorts of ways, but particularly in ways that would have been very useful if you were a hunter-gatherer. So they would help you um, keep, care of, keep, care, keep a, um, a good look at the weather, make sure the weather wasn't too bad, um, keep you free of disease, and most of all, they'd help you find animals to hunt which without which you you obviously wouldn't survive so from this i mean my if i if this book has a, a thesis it's really the idea that we do seem to come up with religions that counteract or reflect our greatest fears and concerns of the time so religions uh, in a in an early farming world reflect the fears that early farmers had of insects and floods at the wrong time, too much water, too little water um, and uh, you find that the same sort of religions appear in in societies that have no connection with each other. So in the Americas and the Mayans and the Aztecs and the Incas come up with um, religions which are in many ways very comparable, lots of the details are different but they have the same sort of animal crop gods and weather gods as you find in in Africa and Eurasia, which hadn't been connected with that part of the world uh, through humans for 10,000 years. So, but one of the other things I think you're arguing is
0: that religion provides reassurance at times of uncertainty, it provides a a a a greater feeling of confidence that things will work out, could you say something about that
1: um it's, again it just seems to be a as i see it anyway a theme throughout history that uh, um if people's concern is their is the religion seem to um i suppose people see religion as a means to uh to find a way of dealing with their greatest fears so they're... The gods they appeal to, they hope will um, counteract their greatest their greatest concerns of the time. So I, I would s- see religion as um, that's the main the main thing that all religions seem to have in common. They don't necessarily have the people would think of religions as as being a, a kind of having a moral base or a uh, offering a happy afterlife to everybody. In fact. In many religions, and particularly early religions, this wasn't the case. Uh, what was the case was that people were seeking something that uh, gave them a sense of control over their lives, when often they had very little control over their lives, and made them feel a bit more secure. You, you also trace the beginnings of religion, uh, again tens of thousands of years
0: ago, to the notion of theory of mind. Could you explain what you mean by that?
1: Um, this was just a, a notion I had. I mean, I don't know if probably all your listeners will be familiar with uh, with Theory of Mind, but it's uh, a fascinating thing. It seems to have been very much um, looked upon strongly recently, the idea that really we, we have an, uh, a remarkable ability uh, to understand other people's points of view, empathy, if you like, intuition. Uh, this is arguably uh, at least as important in our, our evolution as our skill at language or showing, throwing sharp spears or um, it, any any other form of intelligence. So, um, And uh, we do have an extraordinary ability to see other people's points of view, even layers of different points of view and how they reflect upon each other. As, I mean, arguably fiction is, is a way of, of allowing people to practice this. Um, we can see five, even six separate layers of, of um, points of view. Uh, a, a, a bedroom farce is probably the best example, where you have one lover under the bed and another in, in the bathroom and another in the, in the cupboard, and the wife on the bed and the uh, and you also have the perspective of the the playwright and the perspective of the audience, and we can balance all these things. Who knows what? Who knows more than somebody else in our heads at the same time? And I I wondered if this was this extraordinary specialisation led us to see points of view where they didn't actually exist, so that we would see a point of view in things that matter to us in the in the sky in waterfalls, in rivers that we needed, in animals that we were hunting um, and from this we began to develop what uh, what became later on a, our religions. So what we did was
0: we saw agency in a storm or in natural phenomena we saw intent in some way because we are so wired up to see agency and
1: intent and motivation in each other Yes, that's, yes you put it much better than I did
0: Okay. Now, a couple of other things that you very, very, um, uh, in a riveting read, you describe uh, in, a, in a very racy way, um, things that come along. Now, the notion of sacrifice comes along. Can you say a bit about that and how that seems to be closely tied up to the beginnings of religion?
1: Well, arguably, um, an, a, an essential quality in early society all, society, all human societies, is reciprocity. Um, we, we do favors to each, for each other, and that's very much how, how we interact, and that's, that doesn't mean we're always selfish. Quite the opposite, but it means that that's part of the way we relate to each other. So it makes sense that we we had we saw our relationships with our gods also in a reciprocal reciprocal way. We wanted something from them, obviously they weren't going to to do us any favors unless we gave them something. And the more complicated it was, the more difficult it was to do, and the more demanding it was, the more we assumed that they'd be pleased and would do what we wanted. So this might be building uh, stone circles on top of a mountain, or killing off somebody in a human sacrifice, or sacrificing an animal. But obviously it had to be something important. And this seems to have appeared. um, There's no evidence of it in hunter-gatherer societies that I've come across. It seems to have appeared in the farming world. And the farming world seems to have been Certainly in early Mesopotamia, quite a sort of jumpy, nervous world where people were, f- were worried about so many things that might go wrong that they developed very, very complicated rituals to try and placate their gods and to try and get their help.
0: Now, you also refer to one Mesopotamian king as pioneering a kind of CIA of the supernatural. <laughs> yes. And, I, I mean, the book is full of these wonderful phrases. Um, right. There's also a kind of Cape Canaveral of the supernatural, which comes later uh, with Giza and the, the pharaohs and the pyramids. But yes. let's stick to this, this Assyrian, uh, this Mesopotamian king who pioneered yes. the CIA of the supernatural. What did
1: you mean by that? What was going on? It's Asher of Banipal. He, he, well, um, he was uh, in charge of this, really, arguably, the, the first great empire of the Middle East, and certainly one of the most ruthless, it was a f- horrific, really, a horrific state, really, of absolute conquest and ruthless brutality in terms of its wars. Um, but he, the, the rulers were very concerned with finding signs, astrological signs, signs of any kind um, that might reveal the future for them. And um, they took this so seriously that they had agents placed all across the empire, uh, to report anything unusual or interesting, and this might be a particularly bright star or a comet, it might just be a uh, a fox that wandered into a town and fell down a well, anything. And then these were were sent to Nineveh, the the Assyrian capital, and there they were, if you like, sort of processed and recorded, uh, so that they could be fully understand uh, fully understood by uh, by experts. Religious experts clearly um and it didn't clearly it didn't do the Assyrians much good because their empire collapsed quite soon afterwards R- roughly what
0: era was this roughly speaking
1: this is in the seventh century b c and in
0: Mesopotamia,
1: which is roughly speaking where in the modern world at the moment? um this was northern Iraq uh the Assyrian Empire's center was northern Iraq, but they conquered a a large empire at one point even well, they right across this whole area that we think was Iraq, what's now uh, Jordan, Israel, Egypt, Egypt, I think they even got into Egypt at one point, a lot of Turkey, so it was a huge, for, for that time it was a huge empire. Um, now you, you trace different developments in
0: terms of religious belief up until the modern day, and you mentioned Scientology and Dianetics and Ron yeah. Hubbard, yeah. Um, and you seem to be kind of saying that each religion and belief, religious belief is a kind of product of, of the particular era, and the particular anxiety, and people had a lot of anxieties about atomic warfare. Yes. At the time, and you seem to root the notion that people would get into Scientology as linked in some way to that. Um, could you say something about modern religions, and maybe use the example of Scientology in terms of what your
1: thoughts are about, about modern religious belief, new yes. religions? Yes, well, Scientology is certainly one of the most striking And it, um, Dianetics, which is kind of precursor to Scientology, appears only a few months after the Russians detonate their first uh, atomic weapon. And uh, there was obviously also a strong preoccupation with uh, uh, psychoanalysis. And uh, L. Ron Hubbard sort of combined the two in a very strange way because he, he suggested that people could remember their entire lives with a bit of encouragement, even to within uh, a day or two of their conception, um, which I suspect uh, most uh, professional psychoanalysts would, would be a bit doubtful of. Um, and uh, he later developed this further and argued that actually people could remember many previous lives, and that, including uh, the lives of uh, supernatural beings called Thetans, who inhabited human beings and had existed for trillions of years. Um, this was before the, the discovery of the Big Bang, so his his dateline goes back really rather quite far and could do all sorts of extraordinary things. L. Ron Hubbard was also a science fiction writer and uh, this does seem to have inspired some of his ideas. So these thetans would have fights with each other with blast guns and uh, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary imaginative um, explosion really, uh, L. Ron Howard's Scientology. As far as I can see, when I've looked at Scientology, t- Scientology li- literature, a lot of this is not mentioned very uh, prominently. So, um, a lot of people might say that you
0: tackle religion from the standpoint that it's a sociological or anthropological phenomenon or a historical phenomenon. In other words, it arises out of. Um, a psychological understanding of the may, uh, of the predicament of, of, of human beings. So you're not being religious. You don't clearly believe in God. You don't believe in heaven or the afterlife, and therefore you're coming up with an alternative explanation for why people believe in these things. Um, but you 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 write very confidently in a way that all these things don't exist therefore the question arises why do people believe in them so some people might find the book sacrilegious or blasphemous what are your thoughts about
1: that? Well I mean I think uh, I make it quite clear that I'm not a believer myself and I don't want to disrespect religions I just don't happen to believe in them well I want if anything I wanted to perhaps fill a slight gap because a lot of the people who write uh, about religion who aren't believers aren't really interested in the details, whereas I was very interested in the details. And um, so that's what I really wanted to do, was to describe the the evolution of beliefs, if you like, um, from a, a point of view of not believing or not accepting any of them, but just to understand them and see how one led to another, and what, and what may have led people to believe these things, and as I see them invent them, uh, at specific moments of history, why they came up with uh, what now often seem quite bizarre ideas at a particular moment—that's what really interested me. Um, I, I think also—I mean, I think in in one of your books, you actually suggest that uh, there is rather a similarity between r- religious belief and cycle and delusion, because we, in both cases, you're constructing a vast world with actually very little evidence that any of it exists. And I would have the, the same point of view.
0: But the other thing, interesting thing is, you're, you're unlike a lot of people who are atheists and write stridently about atheism and anti-religion, you're kind of saying that even if you don't accept these things are true, at some level it makes sense as to why people believe them. They had a function um, within the societies that they operated in.
1: Yes, very important. They gave people calm. I think they probably made, gave people a lot of comfort at at difficult moments, and gave them a sense of greater control in their lives than they probably actually had. Um, I also see a very positive role in religion. I think it makes, I mean, if you think of all the the stories and uh, phrases and language and music and buildings that have resulted from religion, I think they have left our world a far more interesting place. If we'd, for the last 30,000 years, had a, a much more pragmatic, coldly pragmatic uh, society, and had had none of these imaginings, I think it would be a very dreary world. But you also describe
0: uh, very vividly how some societies bankrupted themselves through their excessive um, notion of sacrifice and offering sacrifices up for the gods, how whole economies were diverted towards religious ends
1: in a way that had a negative effect. Oh yes, well, it did. When people take religion uh, too seriously, especially uh, high up in government, it does tend to have slightly disastrous results. Uh, arguably, the the old kingdom of Egypt crashed because because this the, the pharaohs invested more and more of their funds on on these vast constructions for dead pharaohs. So, uh, and that's by far the far from being the only case. Uh, lots of Lots of states have crashed because they, they took their religions so seriously that they destroyed their economies.
0: Well, one final point. If people were trying to design a new religion today, because in a way you show how some individuals seem to come upon a set of beliefs that got taken up in a massive way and spread rapidly, but yet it's a bit of a puzzle as to why some religious beliefs take off and dominate the world or large parts of the world and others die others yes. are just cults or, or yes. fringe beliefs. Um, what would the clues be if you wanted to design a new religion as to how you should go about doing it? One that would be successful. Successful meaning a lot of people would start to believe in it.
1: I think you'd, you'd have to focus first and foremost on what scares people, what worries them, and then move on from there. And uh, I have to say, although people, it seems a rather gloomy moment this at uh, this, uh, the news always seems to be bad, but actually I would say that we live in a, a much more reassured society than than any society before. Now, uh, most societies in the past have have been filled with fears, um, and often much more real fears than we've had to deal with. Uh, we tend to see horrors on our television sets in the West rather than actually hear them banging on the door. Um, so, I would say, uh, I would say, religion has uh, a greater challenge these days because in the West people do feel less less anxious moment to moment compared to the past. But who knows, maybe you could have a, a more moderate, a calmer religion just based on small angst. So you could have a a religion of spirits who would help you uh with internet connections or troubles on the on the tube line and uh points failures, these sort of things. These can be modern concerns. Traffic jams.
0: Okay, well thank you very much, Matthew Neal. The title of the book is An Atheist History of Belief. It's published by Vintage Books, um, and it's a, it's a riveting, excellent read. It's a, it's a, it's a book you can actually, I think, read in one sitting, and it will completely transform your understanding of the way society and religion works, and, and these very common ideas that are around the Armageddon, paradise, the afterlife, um, gods, Etc., etc. So um, I thoroughly recommend it. The title again An Atheist History Belief by Matthew Neal, published by Vintage Books. Matthew, thank you very much indeed.
1: Thank you.